0: What's up, Closers? Dominic Caminata here with Grassi University. We've got another exciting episode of our Yes, I am a Closer podcast. And I'm exceptionally excited about this episode. This is with a gentleman that is literally clear across the other side of the world. So this gentleman actually resides currently in Bali, Indonesia, but really his rise to becoming who he is today, stems from the UK. So this gentleman has an extensive history in the home services space. As a matter of fact, he was the sales director of a company called Everest Home Improvements in the UK. Basically, this guy managed over $150 million worth of business and grew it to one of the most successful home improvement companies in the history of the UK. This guy's an absolute monster. And if that wasn't enough, his 14 years or more in the home services space. Within one year of moving on from being the sales manager at Everest Home Improvements This gentleman became the sales coach of the year for the entire UK. This is a very prestigious award, only awarded to a handful of people. And he was awarded the the sales coach of the year award for the UK, an absolute monster of a sales coach. And basically since that time in, in his history, he hasn't looked back. This gentleman has gotten extensive training on negotiation, obviously sales coaching, training, mentorship, building sales teams, you name it. This guy is an absolute powerhouse of a sales coach and a trainer. We're honored to have him on our show. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce the one and only Mr. Paul Atherton. So Paul, welcome to our show. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to be on our Yes, I'm a Closer podcast.
1: Hi, Dom. I'm excellent. Thank you, Dom. What an introduction. I'm, I'm beginning to wonder, who's this guy? I want to meet him.
0: <laughs> you know, I look at your life story, and one of the reasons I was really excited to have you on our podcast is... Really, your entire life has been infatuated with sales experience, and then to see where you've taken in your lifetime, I was really fascinated with your story, and I think a lot of our viewers would find it very inspiring as well. So kind of what I want to get to the root of is kind of the early Paul Atherton, where he found this inspiration to be the sales icon, and really your rise to becoming a sales leader in the world today.
1: Okay, thanks, Dom. Well, of, of, of everything I, I'll talk about, the, what I'm, I always am I'm left with is a great feeling of serendipity, in that, you know, it's kind of just unfolded um, out of a fascination that I discovered at seven years old. And um, I, never had, I never had specific plans about, uh, you know, spending my entire life. Uh, studying sales and persuasion and, and potential and all the rest of it, but I was fascinated from from seven years old. And as I now look back, there actually couldn't have been any alternative. Nothing gripped me as much as the uh, when I made the discovery as a young lad. And it was, you know, I keep this bit. I try and keep this bit really succinct, but it's it stemmed from this kind of genesis point when I was seven or eight uh, in pr- primary school, little keep – kiddie school um there was a a christmas play they were going to do and they nominated me to be kind of like the grandfather figure talking to his grandson about the christian story and stuff and, and the bible story and it was it was the main part and i immediately went into fear when i was the teacher told me it was me and i was you know absolutely um terrified and over the course of the next few days, I I, I I was trying to find ways to get out of it, you know. And it was clear that I wasn't going to be able to get out of it that easily without feeling really guilty. Yeah. Um, now, long story short, what I, what I discovered was if I changed the way I thought, I changed the way I felt. And that's fairly... In today's culture, that's that's no big deal. It's no revelation. But to me, a seven-year-old in 1977 it was a huge discovery, because the, the idea that came to me was: this is a grandfather. I'm acting a grandfather. If I'm him, and if I, if I lose, if, 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 the conclusion I came to is: if I lose the identity of me, and I actually totally lose myself in the identity of the grandfather, mm-hmm. I won't have Paul to worry about. It. You know, And that concept led to a, 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 just a fall in the way of fear. And it, it slightly just opened the door to the fact that my thinking about my identity and um, in any given situation, what my role was, if the, my, the nature of my thinking determined the nature of my feeling. And the minute I made this mental switch from being Paul, the kid who's amongst all of his peers on stage, you could really screw it up, to the grandfather who's there's no risks whatsoever mentally there was a shift the fear just fell away completely in that moment and since then I was fascinated by thinking by the potential of changing your entire state and perception just by changing the way you think and that then pretty much set me on a course a trajectory to um That trajectory, that course then was, you know, unavoidable. And it it led me to, as a young, young guy in school, I started to encourage others. I got so much out of um, helping others to achieve their potential. And um, I I was like captain of teams and stuff in school. I got so much satisfaction out of seeing seeing people achieve their potential. Um, Going further than people thought we could. Mm-hmm. breaking perceptions all that sort of stuff it's like a sort of person it was more like personal development than sales if anything it was kind of just a, a paradigm shift that happened at such a young age that by the time I got to 16 I knew that I wanted to when I left school I wanted to get into a, a, a career that that was that that lent itself to this Attitude which is all about the nature of your thinking determines the nature of your reality. The only limits that Exist are the ones you put on yourself. So I ended up getting into sales. So that was the start. That yeah. was the, the very beginning It was so powerful that Whilst I left school with very little in terms of academic education I was so far ahead of my peers because I'd already made the ultimate discovery That most people don't ever make unless they get into personal development or sales or uh, you know they're 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 lucky enough to be given an opportunity to discover it for themselves.
0: I can tell you sincerely. Until I read books like *Think and Grow Rich* or *The Psychology of Selling*, I mean, that was in my mid twenties, maybe that I discovered those types of books, and that's really that pivotal point in my life where I really had that epiphany. So, for you to have that in your childhood at such a young age is is very unusual certainly i could see how that would propel you forward in a lot of those aspects and that was the thing that i could tell about you right away that you know i really admired is the fact that you love sales for what it is but i think mm. it gives you a lot of fulfillment in your life is helping others succeed and seeing them develop into true all-stars right it gives you a lot of fulfillment and i think a lot of the great ones have that that mentality where you know, I want to pour my heart into the profession of selling and develop others and I get fulfillment seeing them succeed. I think that's kind of something yes. lost these days, right? That developing that culture where that, that leader, that commander who's educating their sales team, a lot of times I see managers talking down to their sales team or basically strutting around like <laughs> they're God's gift of selling and they're not doing anything yeah. to build yeah. those people up. And uh, yeah, I think your story, to find that discovery at such a young age, it, it is pretty remarkable, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, it is. It's, it's unusual. And, and as, as I said earlier, it's the serendipity of it. If I, if I reflect on all the, the truly greatest, most satisfying moments and inspirational moments, they all happened as a result of me looking for something else or not looking at all. Yep. You know, um, and and when I've gone out purposely looking with with willpower behind it, um, trying to make discoveries for my own benefit,
0: yeah,
1: that's never that's never taken me to to the great discoveries. It's taken me down the r- road of ruin, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but when I let go and um, and just kind of jump into the stream of life uh, uh, and let it take me that's where the, that's where life comes to me. That's where the discoveries come to me. And I, I kind of have concluded now at 49 years of age, that what's, what, what I'm supposed to do and the role I'm supposed to play is going to come to me. I don't actually need to go and chase it. If I need to go and chase it, it's a good, it's actually a clue that it's not for me. Cause if it was, I'd already have it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> which is a very simple conclusion. It took me 42 years to make that conclusion. You know,
0: that, uh, reminds me of a quote that I honestly live by. This is something, you know, kind of my motto is, you know, success doesn't bring you happiness. Happiness brings you success. Yeah. What you found yeah. is you have found something that truly gives you a fulfillment and happiness in your life. And that natural serendipity, that happiness, that fulfillment you feel, that passion you have for what you do, naturally is just going to lead to more and more success, especially if you're imprinting that on the people you're surrounding yourself with and influencing others as a result, it's just going to spread naturally on its own. Yeah. And that's a very yeah, good yeah. lesson. A lot of people need to learn. A lot of people go out and pursue success and they think when I'm successful, I'll be happy. And like you said, they end up hitting a dead end and ends up, you know, leading to ruin and misery. Whereas if yeah, they focus on themselves internally first, making that decision, I can be happy right now. And change my life in a way where I'm doing things that give me that fulfillment and serendipity, and that's going to lead to greater levels of success naturally on its own. I don't necessarily have to hunt it down.
1: It's absolutely going to come to me. Don't get me wrong, it's not all been a bed of roses. It's absolutely been devastating. I've had the euphoric eyes uh, beyond my wildest dreams, but also devastating loss yeah. um, because of what we've already discussed. You know, devastating loss um, as a result. Of losing the, if you like, innocence, yeah. uh, and uh, becoming seduced by money, power, status, material wealth, and and all of that stuff, which has always been a part of sales, great success, unlimited earnings, um, uh, terrific career advancement, you know, running businesses, making, you know, it's, there's unlimited potential, and I did veer off into the dark side, and uh, and. Um, You know that ended up in you know alcoholism, rehab, massive loss financially. I Achieved everything I ever wanted to achieve. I was thirty-seven years old, and in the year of my greatest earnings, were on paper or from the outside, I had achieved everything I'd ever set myself. Every goal I'd ever set for my life, I had achieved, and I had it at age thirty-seven. But I was so internally broken, and dissatisfied, and I felt no self-esteem, and no pain, and no glory. Because I'd fallen for this illusion that I will be satisfied, fulfilled, complete when I get the all all of the life stuff—the the wife, the two kids, the house, the holidays around the world, the first class, this the German cars outside—all of that—and I'm running a business with hundreds of salespeople, and I, I, I you know I'm the guy on the stage doing the motivational speeches and all the rest of it. Um, when I get all of that, I'll be complete.
0: Yeah,
1: and of course it was revealed to me that when I actually got all of that, I wasn't, in fact, I was the reverse. (laughs) I I was, I I, I was the the least happy I'd ever been. And the only thing that gave me pleasure was a bottle of Jack Daniels. And, you know, we've all seen how that one ends up and it did end up that way. But that then led me to another opportunity. You know, I didn't, I just, I didn't know what I'm telling you now, I didn't have this wisdom. I was always going to go down that road. It was always going to be part of my story, it was unavoidable. In fact, the quicker I got there, the better to make discovery I did. And it was, in the, it was at the lowest point that I discovered, again, in, in very much like the innocence of, of when I was seven years old, it was kind of like, right, okay, here I am in rehab. This is Now, what's got me here? My best thinking, yeah. my, inspira- my inspired strategy. Okay. So my very best thinking and all this charm I've got, and it, in, intellect and experience and abilities, this has actually led me here. Mm-hmm. Now, what does that tell me? What does that tell me? It tells me that my own thinking and strategy, when, it's, when all of the gifts are being given, when I employ them all in my own interests to try and cover myself in glory and take care of my own needs only, it's, it, it, it does not have any benefit to anybody else. But I'm going against the force of nature.
0: hmm you
1: know, that was the discovery. I wasn't put here to cover myself in glory. Uh, I was put here for other reasons. I was put here to be part of something bigger and to contribute to it and create something to be proud of and something great, which is always going to be about working with others. And I hadn't really made, I've made that discovery as a youngster, but i would lost it because of all this crap, frankly, which is money and power and everything else. Right. So that conclusion was, you know, my own best thinking when everything's centered on me, this is where it comes it gets to this point it gets to i lead straight to the to the dark side A bit like the movie crossroads it's your soul to the devil in my case actually not in everybody's this is not i'm not making any judgment for anybody else but in my case that's what happened so i was able to to, to make a a shift and a complete reposition and reframe because that discovery then enabled me it just jettisoned me to a whole new freedom where where the pursuit of success and money and material wealth and power and everything else was, it was no longer on the agenda. It didn't even feature. Yeah. It didn't even feature. I once again fell in love with the, the truth of contributing and being part of something bigger and focusing on helping others. And i rediscovered that, you know what, that, that in, in, in summarizing this little piece of story, the greatest discovery of all, um, Dom, and this is really where it, the rubber meets the road for me. Yeah. And it, 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 it's, it's now as a sales leader or whatever I am, I'm still a sales guy, I always will be a salesman.
0: Yeah.
1: Always have been, always will be. But we do different roles. We're different hats, don't we? It's, today it's coach. You know, that's great. Love that. But it's the same truth beneath it. Yeah. And when I, a, when I was a salesman at 19 and I made a discovery, in, other, in, in another incredible circumstances, that discovery left me a feeling of I've made a difference to somebody's life. Because of what I did, because I stuck to my guns in a selling situation, I yeah. made a difference forever to the lives of a family yeah. and that filled me with incredible self esteem mm-hmm. that i was I, I was enough uh, I was i don't my right to occupy the space I take up on the planet. You know, my self-esteem just grew massively because I'd made such a contribution to somebody else. And also, it, it gave me a completely different relationship with selling. And ever since that moment, if, if anyone in my company ever starts to, you know, criticize selling or salespeople, they get that story because I won't stand for it, right. you know. Um, and, and the discovery I made at 37 after the rehab thing was It was the same thing around sales, being a sales leader, being a coach, a manager, which was when a salesman comes up to me and he's, he's had a tough upbringing, you know, he struggled at school, for instance. He wasn't gifted with the greatest academic skills or whatever, but he's always tried. He's always got up from his, he's got back up when he's been knocked down and he's just come back and he keeps going and he, he wants to be the best him that he can be. And he's got no illusions of, of grandeur, but he just wants to make something of his life. And he's got a girlfriend and he wants to get married. He really holds some simple goals. And when he comes to me and he says, Paul, thank you. And I've, you know, I've trained him, I've coached him, I've worked with him, I've, I've, I've worked overtime with him. Yeah. And it's, it's come to, it's, 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 it's flowered. He's got success. He started selling. He's, he's found his rhythm. He's discovered the basic secrets when you first discover you can sell, you know? He's discovered that he comes to me and says, Paul, thank you for what you did for me. Me and my girlfriend now, we're getting married. We've we just bought, we've got enough for a deposit. We've saved up for our first house. If it wasn't for you, I, this my life wouldn't be like this. I'd probably be on the wrong side of the tracks. So that is the greatest reward of all. It's worth more than all the money in the world. It's beautiful. <laughs> that, it's just absolute. even now just describing it, that hair's on the back of my neck. Like, that's <laughs> why I do it. That's, 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 that's the biggest gift. That what I love about this business. Yeah. When you really do discover what truly does light you up, and it's not money, it's, it's, this, it's this kind of thing. When you discover what really lights you up and you're able to engineer it again and again, and it's wholesome. Yeah. And I'm being selfish I, I do it because I want him to, I want these people to come back and tell me I was part of the success <laughs> and that's what I get that's the ultimate but okay it's slightly selfish but it's actually it's actually driven by a, a really wholesome bigger picture. To yeah. me that is that's great. nothing can beat that.
0: You remind me of something, if, if our viewers that are watching this have seen me talk before pretty much exactly what you're talking about I talk when you're a leader of a sales team, You need to be selflessly selfish. And what that means is you put your your sales team and their success, their future, their lives, their mental, their mental health, right? Everything first. And you do whatever you can to uplift and motivate and encourage and give them confidence and educate the hell out of them and give them the tools they need to be successful. And you do that because what's going to happen in return that belief they now have for the company they work for, their loyalty to you, the the amount of effort they're gonna put in because they don't wanna let you down in a way is gonna reap greater rewards just naturally. So in a way, by you getting that recognition and performance, them showing gratitude to you, like you just described, there's no greater feeling in the world. And I, I did a lot of one on one meetings with my salespeople when I was a full-time manager. Yeah. And yeah, I get salespeople that would always come up to me and ask me, he's like Dominic. You know, if you were to give me one bit of advice to be successful, what what would it be? And I always had the exact same answer to every salesperson. I see. I said, if you want to be successful long term in this business and be happy with your profession, be a mentor and a coach and a leader to others. Now, that's even if you're a salesperson, not even a manager, by you going out and you know giving a hand to somebody that's new to the business and maybe is just trying to 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 get their pipeline built up and is struggling and maybe is financially unstable and trying to provide for their family. By you going out and giving him advice and coaching him, being a mentor, kind of like a big brother to him and helping him along the way, that's gonna give you so many benefits because every time you sit there and you coach somebody else, you teach yourself something, right?
1: <laughs> I yes, can't tell did. you how
0: many times, I'm sure you've had this thousands of times where you're giving somebody advice and you're like, my goodness, Dominic, if you just applied this a little bit more in your life, <laughs> you'd be doing a lot better, Absolutely.
1: right? <laughs> We're sent here to teach what we most need to learn. That's a great phrase stuck with me. Somebody, somebody said that a long many years ago. And I thought that's terrific. And it, the best way to learn often is to teach and to relearn. You want to rediscover the the things you've forgotten. And 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 this applies to you know a seasoned veteran in sales, and he or she is on a slump, and you know they. They can't see while they're on a slump, and you do you do the basic questioning. You know what, what's changed. You know what have you changed about your, your pitch? Oh, nothing. I'm still doing the same things. Yeah. Really, there must be something must be something different now. Oh, there's nothing different, you know, okay. So what's changed for you outside of the, of, of the job? What's on your mind? Oh, nothing different, nothing, nothing. Everything's all right. And you know that intuitively, you know, this is not right, but, but there's a resistance, you know, there's, there's a the wall of resistance. Okay. So what about your preparation beforehand, your mental preparation? Do you go in expecting to sell Ask. Oh, you know, all the, the, you go through the whole routine yep. and, and, and it, it would be easy to say, oh, well, I'm sure it's, you know, your look will change. But that's not really serving him at the highest level. The, the way to do it is to actually send him back to, to truth. And what that guy needs is he needs to be given a rookie and to be given a position of seniority for the day and to be made to, be, to feel good. And even though your, your current performance is not in keeping with your capabilities, you still are a seasoned veteran and a man, a man to be respected. The world champion, even though he's got, he's got trouble. He's still the world champion. He was still the one who won in the ring. He got the belt. So, you know, that, that doesn't change because his current form has changed. The best thing we could do with this guy, stick him out with a rookie and say to, say to him, teach him all the best stuff. Yep. Teach him your wisdom. And what happens is you put him on a higher level, a higher plane of thinking. He's now got responsibility of this young life. And, Immediately, all of the bad energy that that is holding him back currently in his sales, he takes on the role of a leader, a mentor, it reignites his self-esteem and the spark. He feels like he's somebody again. And he instantly taps that wisdom of all the great discoveries that he has made and forgotten and all the great stuff that he's not doing now because he's cutting corners because he knows all the action is in the clothes. So he's trying to get there as quick as possible. And when you do that, you don't get there with, you know, he's lost all the basic truths, but because you put him in this situation, by the end of the day, he comes back, and his eyes are full of the fire again. The rookie loves him, and you bang him on a a, a lead, and he sells it, and then he sells the next 10. Yeah. You know, the answer answer is in, the answer is there. It's outside of the normal stuff, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I always said, you know you got the right sales culture in your organization? When you got your sales reps asking you to have new guys ride with them all the time.
1: Definitely, yeah.
0: They want to help them, and they know that, again, it holds them accountable for staying sharp as well. You know, I always love having new guys ride with me because I always learn something new from a new guy, and it basically forced me to be on my A game because, again, when I'm demoing in front of a new sales rep, obviously I don't want to embarrass myself, right? And I want to show him how far I can go for my own ego, for my own pride. And, again, like you said, it reignites that fire, that flame, that drive, Mm. that passion, And by helping that new rookie, it gives them that fulfillment that we've been talking about, where by being a coach and a mentor to other people, that's the best way that I've found to build confidence in myself, give fulfillment to myself, and for salespeople to do the same thing. I think too often, salespeople, especially with what's going on now, and I wanted to bring this up because you just made a really great video recently on the whole teamwork thing going on right now, how teamwork is dying in a lot of organizations, like camaraderie. This is a very lonely profession right now, as lonely yeah. as it's ever been. And the whole concept of that that culture, that teamwork, that camaraderie is dying. So I think figuring out these different ways where you can encourage these salespeople to be leaders to others, to get involved with the process, because it's a way of keeping them sharp, but also giving them recognition. It's one of the greatest desires in of in, in human being is getting recognized. And I found Definitely. that when I, when I had a sales rep that, was helping me train a rep or coming up in front of the the sales team and delivering a script or educating on how they do things, it gave them that recognition they so desire.
1: And and what you know i this business and it, um, the home improvement business that you call it, you refer to it in the states as home home sales, home services, and, and, and we can't refer to it in England as home improvements. But you know, it's, it's the same thing. And I didn't realise it was until recently. I didn't realise until we spoke um, recently that it absolutely was, and it, it was terrific to uh, to know. Um, and it instantly made sense sense to me because of the dialogue I'd had in the past with many of the, the guys in the states of which I've got some clients. Um, but you know what What I love? Because this industry is unique. You know, it's absolutely unique. It allows, this is the beauty, it allows the ordinary guy or gal. A lot of the time, when I was coming up through the ranks in the 80s, it was mainly guys, but it's not now. Fortunately, it is a good mix of, of guys and gals. And so when I say guys, I mean both, right? So it allows it allows any any ordinary guy. And even... Even those of us who weren't tremendously gifted academically, you know we weren't from harvard or or, or oxford in, in in england where we you know um, we struggled or we were just little gits you know we, we we were little little we were on the wrong side of the tracks so or we were thinking wrong or we were full of ego. we didn't make the most of our our school time um but but we're still allowed a chance this industry gives us a chance it doesn't ask that we come uh, with a trail of ex of um of educational uh, qualifications. It doesn't ask that we come from money. It doesn't ask that we bring, you know, a whole load of written references and a glowing financial record and a perfect history. It understands that we might've made mistakes. It's not interested in our history. It's interested in our, in our potential and our attitude. And it gives you a break. It gives you a chance. It gives anybody a chance based on their attitude right now. Yeah. And that's what I love about this industry because you can, have a history and a set of circumstances externally that any other vocation or real job, you know, or career, they wouldn't let you in. Right. They wouldn't let you in because they judge your history. And how stupid are they actually? Because you know, I mean, that's another story. But the home improvements, this does not. It does not exclude. In fact, in fact, it kind of knows the secret that sometimes the broken ones and the ones who've had it tough and made mistakes are actually going to be the greatest students, the most grateful, the most gifted, highly intelligent geniuses actually, but just the brain didn't work in the conventional way. They didn't respond to conventional teaching and conditioning mm-hmm. and the freedom you get when you discover the home improvement world and you realize you've found somewhere where you can fit in and you can thrive and all, all that you need to be is bloody hardworking working teachable and coachable and i really start with that's about it willing hungry there are literally no limits you can you can have a lovely pace of life and always be comfortable you can be a multimillionaire and end up running businesses there's no limits and that's what i love about this business It's so real yeah when i make when when i meet a young guy or a young girl whatever in, in 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 whatever circumstances these days, and they're just coming into the business or they're at their first interview, or you know they're having, checking the business out to see if it's for them. When I see somebody, or they've just come off the training course, it's their first sales meeting or the first week, mm-hmm. and I f- first meet them and I look in their eyes and I see it, and I can see it in their eyes, that thing, the thing that we had, yeah. and the thing that all the guys and girls who've been successful had, that passion. When I see that in someone's eyes, I feel like giving them a big hug because I, I feel like saying, do you know what 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 is in in front of you? Yeah. Yeah. What, you know the the life you've got, the adventures, the incredible opportunities, the the fun, the lessons, the growth. Yeah. This what's in front of you? If I told you what was in front of you, you wouldn't believe me. You you're not yet ready to believe you're, you. But you are you're in for the ride of your life. I'd, that's what I want to tell them. I love to, I love it when I see that in someone's eyes, you know? And I'm glad that, that's, that our industry is still like that. It hasn't lost that. It's still giving people that same opportunity.
0: I'm so happy you brought that up. I got a great story for you. Uh, so I had this gentleman. It was, I think, October of 2018. This gentleman came in for an interview, right? He sat down. I sat across from him and you're talking about that eye of the tiger, right? That's the first thing I noticed by the way. Now this gentleman was from Honduras and English was a second language. Now before he came to sell home improvements on my team, he was selling cell phones at US Cellular here, making maybe 30 grand a year, 40 grand at most. And he came in for an interview and I just saw that fire in his eyes, that that confidence, that passion that drive, that vision that he could become a fierce closer what was interesting is this person had never done in-home selling in his life, didn't know anything about home, home remodeling, home improvements, home services, didn't know how to use a tape measure. And in order for him to yeah, learn our methodology, yeah. he had to first hear it in English, go back home, translate it wow. back into Spanish, and then relearn it back in English again for him to understand what I was saying. His first wow. month, it wasn't very stellar. He was struggling. He only had 25000 sure. his first month in sales. what I did is I wrote to them for three days. All right. Just three days. I had them just observe me and record me. I'm like, just watch me in the home, record me on your phone, not video, just audio. Just so you can, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And I want you to listen to those recordings after these three days. And I want you to do that. (laughs) So basically what happened is after three days of riding along, all of a sudden this guy ends up writing 150,000, and then in 2019, <laughs> in 2019, he wrote up $3 million, was one of the highest volume producing salespeople in the history of our whole company. And I looked at his W-2, and I'm not going to say what his name is, but he made $380,000 his first full year, full year in the business. And the fulfillment that gave me, because that trickle down effect, all the people he was able to help in his family, because he was one of those guys supporting his mom, his dad, his sisters, brothers know nephews he was supporting so many people and he was able to do it effortlessly because of this new opportunity and this new gift and that's why i believe in the methodology so so passionately because i know what it's done for me i know what it's done for so many and i see what it continues to do for others around the country and hopefully around the world very soon right that's obviously my vision yeah but that's the beauty of the industry you hit the nail on the head there now, your position there at Everest, you were the southern sales director. So there's two major regions of that company.
1: Yeah, that was, th- there was many different shapes to, to where the business evolved over the years. But right at the end, in 2012, um, I finished up looking after as the regional sales director. It's 100 million of 150 million turnover, 500 guys in the south of England from, right. from east to west. You know, Wales, uh, right across um, to London uh, and up as far as the Midlands. Uh, five, a team of five hundred, and um, we finished up. Uh, they finished up doing a record one hundred and two million pounds worth of business that year,
0: wow, nice. twenty twelve.
1: Yeah, because you yeah. said
0: your specific territory only represented like half the map, but over seventy percent of the book of business, right? Because of the performance. yeah yeah. Now going back to the beginning, there I guess. How did you find that opportunity? How did you discover? the home improvement industry when you first got into it. Okay.
1: So I left school at sixteen, didn't carry on for further education. I wanted to I wanted action. I wanted money. I wanted to get out into the world. I was um I was impatient. With hindsight, I I could have applied myself. I now know I was brighter than I gave myself credit for. But that's the way it went. I went out and I actually joined a a, a, a double double glazing business and and a few other businesses. I was canvassing, was knocking on doors. I was only 16, so I wasn't quite ready to go straight into the home selling to middle-aged people with 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 credibility. So I started right at the bottom for a couple of years. It gave me a good basic grounding and, and basic lessons in selling and an introduction to the to the industry. I then moved south. And I ended up going into sales in the financial sector, selling insurance, um, it's actually America, U.S. companies, uh, HFC Bank and Avco Trust were part of U.S. companies, great sales process, terrific sales training system, of basically selling credits and selling insurance. And I just flew in, in that. And I end, so I ended up going down that route. And then I ended up with a bank who were aligned to the U.K. home improvement industry. So we were lending. We were the main lenders for all the home improvement projects, fitted kitchens, bathrooms, you know, the whole works, conservatories, garden rooms, all the rest. Of it all the main direct sales businesses with hundreds of millions in turnover they did they, they worked with that bank first National Bank who lent and they, they went into the house with with our credit forms so what I was doing is I, I ended up going along to home improvement businesses and their sales meetings and teaching the guys to start with how to fill out credit forms and you know I realized that was an extremely tedious subject and I knew that they they needed, I could see that they needed great sales training and often many cases the, the sales managers had just ended up becoming managers, desk managers, not leaders. Okay. And so what I started doing was I started just kind of, um, I gave myself permission to teach filling out of credit forms in my early twenties, but I do teaching out teaching how to fill out credit forms from a personal development perspective. I just drop in and sneak in, um, Little, little kind of nuggets about little tips as to how, how to behave when you're filling out a credit form. And if how to, at first, introduce the subject of credit because, you know, you're broaching a personal subject. So if you do it wrong, you're going to get resistance. And I just demonstrated that I had some actual insight into selling and what happened in the home. That then got them asking questions. And, you know, over the course of a year or so, from just kind of deciding I was going to make my job more interesting, what I did was I'd actually created a role for myself and also for my other hundred colleagues up and down the uk i'd influenced them and said look guys we can really carve out a massive role for ourselves and i even influenced our directors i sold up which i said look you guys and we all of us we can become amazing sales trainers and finance trainers and the added value that I'm now bringing to my clients is, I'm not just teaching them how to fill out credit forms or being the rep from the finance company. I'm actually now in their eyes and perceived by them, You know, they love coming, they, they come to the meetings, they learn about selling, they learn about thinking about, The the thought life of success and the attitudes of success, and they now know that their finance penetration, the credit penetration has gone through the roof because they now know how to introduce it, how to behave, how to answer questions, how to close on credit, how to how to dissolve their own shame of their own credit and not allow that to go in the home with them. That you know, this has become an entire new road that I've carved. And guys, we've, we've got to all get on board. So then what my director says, Paul, you're onto something. So I then, internally, they made me a sales training manager. Mm-hmm. And before I knew it, I was training my own colleagues and peers in the bank how to become sales trainers in the home improvement businesses when they're teaching credit forms. Yep. And the ultimate end result was that the, the biggest and most successful home improvement companies... They then, the, the, the managing leaders and directors, when I was invited to bigger and bigger uh, events, and I always insisted, I want to get on and do a slot. I'll come to the event, but I want you to give me a slot. I was then going to conferences, so major national home improvement businesses, their annual conferences, you know, they're, they're real big affairs where they spend a lot of money on making it like a real show, the, the Academy Awards, you know, for their business. And I would—I'd always had a slot, so I—I I, I forced myself to become a good stage speaker as well. And I just, like everything I'd done, it was about my thinking. I watched videos, I studied the best, and I was became really good at it. And then I was inevitably—I was offered jobs, and and um, it was Everest that was the one job offer that was the most exciting. And at twenty nine years old, I moved from the bank to Everest. Yeah, and that's when I went from average earnings. Too incredible and instantly. It was then when I was at Everest that I knew I was home.
0: Yeah, that's an amazing story. And when we conduct sales trainings, we spend four days just on the art of using financing in the closing sequence because of how important that is. And it's still mind-blowing to me. Obviously, I'm networking with companies all over the world right now, technically. uh, But a lot of companies in the U.S. that still offer no financing at all and I'm not sure what the financial situation is throughout the world, but even in the U.S., they claim that 57% of Americans cannot afford a $500 debt right now if they were hit with it, right? I yeah. think
1: that is that's similar around the world. I don't see, I, I don't see anywhere that, that has escaped from, from the impact of, uh, of, of everything. I think yeah. everybody's in the same boat, actually. Yes. Yeah, and that's it's great. Accurate. So, yeah.
0: Such a huge chunk of the market, and using the financing as a boomerang for the close, and use it as a closing tool, if you know how to sell it the right way. You know, I always explain, you know, throughout the process, you're like the customer's guidance counselor. And then when you get into the close, you're like their finance advisor. You put your finance advisor hat on and being able to confidently and assertively talk them through the financial obligation they have and make sure they're completely comfortable. But you being the expert in the room and being confident about explaining the financial terms and being confident and assertive when you assume the order, that's such a powerful sales tool and I know that in my history, I've taken so many jobs away from other companies. In some cases, we're oh, twice yeah. as expensive. But because Absolutely. we had financing, it was a no-brainer. Like, well, even though yeah. you're eight grand more, we still can't afford We don't have the cash, so we get, we're going to yeah. do this with you. <laughs> yeah, It's
1: the biggest objection. And no matter what objection you are actually given, ultimately, at the root of every objection, pretty much, actually, is money. It, it's in there. It's got to be. Because yeah. if it were free, would they hesitate? No. You've yeah. done a reasonable demo. You've established rapport. You've demonstrated humility, but also you've, demis- you've established expert status through um, amazing questioning. Uh, you've got all their needs and wants. You've reframed them uh, in, a, in a way that makes them feel underst- understood empathically. So when somebody feels empathically understood, they t- instantly trust. Uh, we've then shown them, That not only should they buy what they want, but we've shone a light on what they also need, but they didn't realize. And that scored points and that's elevated our status as a trusted advisor and not just someone who wants to sell. And, And, you know, we've done that. We've then created the sense of a bargain by very skillful price conditioning and gentle closing. You know, all these things that we've done to put ourselves in a strong position. But assuming all of that, the only thing really that should be left is, well, can we afford this? Even if they do have a degree of trust by the end of the three or four hour presentation time you've been with them, often they still can't bring themselves, because it's just human nature, to be completely honest and say, look, Paul, you know, it's a bit beyond what we want and we're just going to struggle. So, you know, it'll come out as another thing. Yeah, Paul, we just need a couple of days to give this some thought don't we love? Yes, we do. It's, it's, it, you know, we just need a, a day or two just to sleep on it, Paul. Can you just give us a couple of days? We promise that, you know, Monday we'll give you a call. We're almost definitely going to go with it, aren't we love? Yeah, 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 we are. Okay. So Paul, can you, can you let us call you on Monday? You, you know what it's like, Paul. It's a big decision, isn't it? It's a lot of money. And we have not just, and they end up closing you. And, but really it's about money. But that little routine, customers are good. They can close you and you think, oh, they're so sincere. You know, you leave, you let them off the hook. You go out, you phone your manager, you say, right, I'm definitely going to get that one. I really am. You know, you really think you are. Yeah. You are going to get it. But what you've done is you've let that get to that stage because you haven't earlier introduced in an extremely clever, psychologically clever way, the credit, the finance, the affordability, the money. You haven't introduced it in a way that, makes them feel good talking about it. If you haven't done that, you, you are going to, you're forcing them into a position where they have to come out with a, an excuse that preserves their uh, ego and buys them some time to source the money without them telling the truth. You're forcing them into that situation. So you have to, you have to learn how to do it. And, and the skills are there. Such
0: an important It's skill the
1: same skills. And if you do that, then you have, the, you have the beauty of getting to the end and they can take the finance option without having admitted that they need finance, without feeling any uh, loss of self-esteem or without finance having been an issue Mm -hmm. in the appointment, without them feeling any inference that the only way they could buy is through financing you've dissolved all those all those illusions you've actually completely dissolved that and you can achieve that every time with one with your own belief and the energy you're carrying is you you have to get to a stage where you are comfortable with it and that you don't take your own preconceptions your own experience in then it's just a case of learning the, the words the behavior the body language the tonality the answers to the basic objections you're going to get with Credit because there's always going to be two or three objections around credit, the same ones, yeah. to have your rehearsed answers. And the more they see you discussing credit finance, very relaxed, flowing with no fear, really comfortable about it, making it that it's no issue and answering their objections in advance and very playful. They start to just observe themselves in their own head thinking, this is, this is actually, this, this is not a big deal, is it? We could use this. Yeah, it makes slowly. They just find themselves the guard lowering and all that resistance lowering because of your behavior. So by the time you get to the end, when you're pricing, we've already kind of agreed that, that you know you, you're not going to give us your fifteen thousand dollars worth of savings. You're going to leave your savings where they are. You're going to preserve your savings. You're going to use this money instead. Yep, exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Being confident, taking control. Uh, that's yeah. Skill set that salespeople especially need to adopt. Now, it reminded me of something I heard you say in a video. I heard you say, I was watching one of your training videos on, I think it was YouTube, and you have alluded to the fact you want to have alert, relaxed, and appropriate enthusiasm. So yeah. I don't know if that was something in that specific training, but I was curious yeah. if you could elaborate on just kind of what you mean so alert, relaxed, appropriate enthusiasm and how that can benefit a salesperson in the home.
1: Yeah, that, that was I, – I actually – I found myself coming out with that phrase just before we did that little video take. Yeah. And I've never really liked, my, I've, I've taught scripts in my life and I've always learned scripts for selling. But when I'm doing sales stuff on on video for coaching, I like to just be spontaneous and I like to make my mistakes, my ums and ahs. I like, I like to be real, so I don't mind that stuff. So I was just kind of doing a bit of, Rehearsal to see what was coming out. Sometimes the best stuff comes without rehearsal, right? so I was seeing if if I was at that it was in that state if my intuition was giving me that that day And it gave me this phrase and it was a calm Alert still quiet confidence. That was it a calm (laughs) alert still quiet confidence And I thought wow that's full of contradictions Uh, uh, But then I thought there's something in that Mm -hmm. and really what I was saying when we were first brought into sales Mm -hmm. And it depends what era we were brought in. But, but I think it's true of everyone, even guys coming in today. For me, it was in the 80s. It was when greed was good and Gordon Gecko was on Wall Street and you know Tony Robbins was first coming through the ranks. Everything was about positivity and energy and attitude. But it was, and it was all energy and it was all... And it was all... So it was like, you've got to be positive. You've got to have energy. So to me, when someone says, you've got to be positive, you've got to have energy, it instantly became this... Aggressive energy. It was all energy. It was all and often it was false. It was it was um, fake It was put on and equally the. it wasn't long before customers began to kind of see through it and and because just because I'm full of testosterone or whatever it is I'm full of uh, and so excited um, It doesn't mean it's the truth actually which means that I'm actually trying to get that message across so what i'm saying in that in that statement is that just noise pure noise and pure energy isn't actually the best enthusiasm or energy to carry but equally that's so that's one extreme yeah and i was pointing to that and i was having i've done that myself as well i've made those mistakes and then i was and then at the other end of the spectrum is the other end which is just you know you're so laid back you're practically asleep there's no real energy. It's a kind of like, you know, whatever. And, and that's that's in no way inspirational. Yeah. So that, that carries nothing. <laughs> so in between the two, there is actually a balance. And that's what life's ultimately about, is the balance. And I've, I've learned balance through being at the extremes, <laughs> you know, and having got into trouble at the extremes and finally found the middle away. So I'm, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm kind of pointing to truths and and equally in truth some of the greatest truths are surrounded by paradoxes as well so even though there was some conflict in there that didn't bother me because the greatest truths of life often are paradoxes so what i'm saying is look what you need to have is a calm so that there isn't your energy isn't so hyper that you're actually almost panicking and you send in fear to the customer because the first thing that you sell the first thing the customer buys is your energy Right, because we are creatures of energy. In fact, quantum physics has, has proved that we're not even physical. We're actually waves. Yeah. Now that's I'm not going to get any deeper than that. Uh, <laughs> you're safe. Uh, you're, the, you're you're safe out there. Um, the uh, community. I get in, I'm getting going to get too woo woo, but actually, you know, that's what it's proof. But what what I'm saying is, we're energy. We cannot avoid. Our, when we're especially face-to-face but it still happens screen to screen but we cannot avoid our energy merging and it's like you know if you hang around with five millionaires that old phrase you know from confucius you become like the five people you, you you associate with if you hang around with millionaires you get their energy if you hang with around with losers you're going to end up thinking like they do we get the energy of the people we associate with yep so the first thing that sells is if you go into a sales situation and you're in fear, the first thing you sell is fear. The customer finds themselves entering fight or flight. They can feel it in their body. They feel um, the release of uh, stress chemicals and they feel fear and they don't know why and they want you to leave. So yep. that's often unseen. Well, that's the first truth. Uh, so I'm pointing to all this stuff. So you've got to be relatively calm right? Um, but you, uh, and still. So don't be too animated jumping around, you know, an old uh, – uh, uh, you have to be relatively calm and still, but it also has to be, it has to be alert. So your energy has to be not off the scale and but you have to be alert and right in the moment, present, the whole outside world has gone. The past and the future has gone. None of it exists. The only thing that exists is you and those clients and that moment yep. right now. That is the energy to take because when you're in the present moment mentally, you always are physically. If my, if, if only our our head was in the same place as our body physically, if we yeah. were to take our, our mental life and just keep it where our body goes, we'd be a lot happier. But our mental, our head's somewhere else and our body's here. So if we're here, the energy of the present moment is the best energy anyway. It's the purest. It's where everything is. It's where all the energy is tapped. That present moment, focus energy and energy, and everything else goes and disappears, that in itself is the most appropriate energy. It's pure. It's pure. Yeah. It's empty. It's still. It's just pure potential. And occasionally, you will find yourself getting genuinely enthusiastic. The more you get on a roll, so you let the enthusiasm. So you start with the present moment, still alert, quiet confidence. Quiet confidence is so much more seductive and attractive than over the top enthusiasm. I'm kind of pointing to that. I'm pointing to the fact that it's so much more credible to be quietly confident. Right. And your quiet confidence is just how you hold yourself. Your eye contact. A a, a slight smile, but not not just a slight smile. Uh, uh, You're sending a message of contentment that you're okay, I'm okay, and we're here to achieve something together, and I'm not in a rush to take control of the meeting. You've got your 10 steps laid out, but that energy, when you actually discover that energy, and you're able to put yourself into it after spending an hour on the freeway and all the stresses of the world, and you pull up outside, or if it's a B2B or B2C, I'm talking B2C here, um, tuned into this, this genre, this niche, you know, you pull up outside, you, you've done everything to get, you've been an hour in the car, you, you're having to put your life and all, your, all the crap that's gone on in the day to one side, get yourself in the right frame of mind. If you can put yourself in that space that when you first meet them, you are in that energy, in that zone, present moment, pure alert, still quiet confidence. If you can cultivate that, you've actually, you've actually done 90% of the job because they're going to instantly decide, Within the first couple of minutes, he's all right. He's, this guy, I think we'll be safe with him for a few hours. We can tell him the truth. He's, he's he's just like us. He's actually really relaxed. He doesn't seem to be wanting to be in control. And it occurs to them really realize, but this is what's happening. They're they're starting to buy you. Then you gently lead them. And when you do it gently and with the right questioning and the right guidance, and you maintain that energy and intent they follow they'll come with you yeah still a lot so a calm still alert quiet confidence
0: yeah
1: that that still has place for enthusiasm when it naturally comes but i absolutely don't i never have bought into this fake it till you make it stuff because it doesn't work yeah for me
0: No, I'm glad you said that. You know, I train on a hundred and thirty page Bible for my sales team that has all the scripts and the closes. But one thing I always explain, guys, that's just the ten percent foundation of your career. The rest of it is how you're delivering the message and all that all stems from all those nonverbals. It's based on feeling and how you conduct yourself in the home. You know, one thing we train on across university is being the thermostat, not the thermometer. So when you walk in the house, you're the thermostat, meaning that you control the environment and the customer responds to what you're doing. And, you know, they've done studies on this that the customer's heart rate will actually mimic your heart rate. It shouldn't be the other way around, right? You shouldn't be mimicking there because you're in control. And that transference of feeling and emotion is going to happen whether you like it or not. So that's why it's important. I see a lot of salespeople that do a good job Maybe throughout the presentation, throughout the company story, but then they get to the close and their whole demeanor changes. You can see, Absolutely. You, can, you can actually see their heart rate increasing. You can see them starting to perspire. You can see, I call them the purpose tremors that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. yeah and good, all of a sudden, good, good they kick that customer into fight or flight just like that. They lose all their trust and rapport. And before you know it, uh, they basically talk themselves right out of the sale, right?
1: <laughs> That's right. That's because of their identity. That is an identity issue. And, and this is why I, when I became a sales coach uh, back seven years ago, I invested in myself and I learned and became qualified as a as, as a personal development mentor because I knew that I had to bring personal development with sales because yep. I had to be able to, to, to have great skills at, at, at doing sessions on personal development where I could demonstrate to people the part identity players in our performance and I can give you the best words to say in sales, I can give you the best script, I can give you the step-by-step blueprint, you just follow that and say those things and you will sell and earn. But if the if the internal blueprint is wrong, if it's being filtered through the incorrect identity, then that, that great script will never actually uh, be delivered with the right tonality and energy and then it's it's, it's, it's inert, it's got no life without that. So. A guy who changes his behavior when he starts, the closer he gets to the end. So the closer he comes to talking about money, the more fearful he gets and he changes his behavior. Then what we have there is we don't have a training issue where we've got to teach him role playing, get him to do drills of scripts of learning a closed. What we actually need to do is to um, discover the nature of his identity and overwrite it. We We need to teach him how to create a new identity because the identity he's got is based on old beliefs that at one stage served him. At one stage, they were effective survival strategies, but they were based on the circumstances at the time. Those circumstances are no longer present. So therefore, this identity is no longer present. And when they see the truth of that, we're able then to for them to carve out an identity which is based on the reality right now and who they want to be. And then what happens is new identity, new new line of code in your brain, in your mind, new behavior everywhere else. If I don't believe that I, I deserve or should be talking to people about money or asking them for money, or if I don't believe I should be asking um, People older than me who are more educated and, and, if, and they're upper class. If I don't believe I've got the right, this working class lad that I am, to go into their homes and ask them to make a decision and give me, give me lots of money, then to me, $20,000 is a lot of money. It isn't to them, but it is to me. If I take all of that in, that identity, I'm not going to sell. I'm going to change and I'm going to be all subservient and pathetic and I'm going to crumble in, the, in front of them. Yep. And I've got to deal with that. that. I actually had some of that when I was a very young salesman. I'd be fine in working class homes with working class people. But when I went to rich posh people's houses, I ended up like this kind of, like the, you know, someone off Mary Poppins. All right, mate, you know, I'd tip me hat like this sort of young, um, young servant guy. And I wouldn't sell. And my manager took me out on a, on a, on a lead and watched me. And he said, why are you doing all this behaviour? It's not you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just
1: go in as the working class lad. And I changed it. And, and then I started selling. It's all identity, you know, that's, 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 sorry, um, Dom, I, I just wanted to kind of make that distinction because I think it's an important one. We think I've got to work harder on my clothes. I've got, I've got to train him. He's got to lynch clothes more. But well, just before we make that conclusion, let's just find out what his identity is. How does he see himself? Yeah. Why, what, how does he feel when he's approached? If we look, if we explore that often, we'll find the answers there. Yep.
0: Yeah. No, that's such a great point. And it all ties back into leadership management and coaching too. Mm. This is a huge area of weakness that I see in a lot of home improvement companies, right? Now, a lot of people, managers, owners, I think they underappreciate the influence that they have as the captain of the ship, the influence Mm. they have on that salesperson's identity and their level of confidence and their belief in what they do. Because one thing that I found is, if I interviewed very, very well with that new salesperson, let's say the interview is very organized, very professional, you know, obviously we hit it off, we had good uh, rapport between the two of each other, then they take the job. Now, I have a feeling that most salespeople are skeptical about any new sales job they're starting because they don't know what the job looks like. Right, is this Especially
1: commission owned, commission only, only self employed? And, yeah. and all these we go and all the guys have got BMWs outside, and, and there's a whole load of stuff like, Can I do this? Is this real? Yeah, Are and they all talking, acting, yeah, true, you
0: know, <laughs> like my last company did, right? And they always yeah. have doubts. Now, if I take them through a world class training and pour my heart and soul to it, and we build that relationship, they can see how much I care about them and their education, and they come out fully armed and full, radiating with enthusiasm and confidence. And when they get out there, they have that momentum coming right out of training. And my mm. point is, I see companies that they bring these guys in, the interviews unorganized, they're dressed in their sweatpants, they don't care. Then they bring the guy in, they half-ass the training, they give them samples, say, here you go, go figure it out, sink or swim, buddy. And then if they're not hitting their benchmarks, they kick them when they're down and threaten them, hey, if you don't hit your benchmarks, you're out. And it's really unfortunate because there's a lot of very talented salespeople out there that if they just had the right guidance, the right leadership, the right coaches mm. to guide them the right way, they would be all-stars. But it mm. really stems. You have to train and instill that confidence and belief into your sales team and keep reinforcing it every day, every week, every sales meeting. So you know, Rick Grosso, my mentor, um, I asked him one time, he's like, what's the number? I asked him, what's the number one piece of advice you'd give me to lead my team? He's like, Dominic, you gotta be their cheerleader. You gotta, you gotta build them up. This is a very stressful job. It's a very difficult proposition. Salespeople will burn out if you're negative. You gotta be a positive inspiration. You gotta uplift them. And then he did this illustration. He's like, I want you to think of management like an upside down triangle. I'm sure you've heard this That's a few times.
1: Yeah. it do, it does me no harm to hear it again, Dom.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, that's just it you know you see those managers that clearly picture themselves at the top of the pyramid looking down on their sales team right acting like they know everything but i always saw myself at the bottom right i'm at the i'm the foundation of the sales team and i'm the one that's got to lift everybody up and give them the support they need to succeed and encourage them because again if i'm struggling if i'm in a slump as a salesperson and then i have my manager giving me threats and fueling my mind with negativity that's just going to result in this downward spiral I can't pull myself out of
1: Absolutely,
0: because I have to believe in what I'm doing. And everybody knows that, that if a sales rep's confident, he believes in what he does, he loves what he does, he's going to perform at a higher level. But yet I see owners and managers kicking their salespeople when they're down. They don't give them the support they need. The post-training molding and support and coaching is almost non-existent. It's a sink or swim mentality. And they're losing a lot of talented people as a result.
1: And my message to anybody who finds themselves in that environment, get out. Yeah, exactly. Get out because, because the, the owners of that business are not interested in your growth or your success. Mm -hmm. the motives are they know that there is money in direct selling but they they, in this case the owners have have marked it up to make money all they're interested is money for themselves they do not want to build a community and something to be proud of they don't want to build something to look back on with prestige and pride for for generations to come they just want to fill their pockets and you are a resource they're going to throw as many leads as you as possible if it burns you out there not give a shit and when you go they've got someone else coming right behind you so they don't care if you're in that situation get out if anybody is ever using fear to manage you get out if they're using aggression get out it's not going to change
0: waldo waldman um he's a partner of ours at grass university is our director of leadership and development and one he, one thing he says that it really resonated with me is you need to be their commander, not their demander, right? You need to yeah. your team. And that's such, that's such a great line. And you actually posted a video recently on the whole concept of reigniting that, that, that teamwork, that teamwork. Yes, culture. yes. Now, if I'm a company struggling right now to, to get my, my team together, to get them motivated, to get that culture back, what are some pointers, some, some bit of advice that you can give maybe those owners or managers that are watching this to reignite that, that teamwork so everyone feels like okay. they're part of something bigger, right? Because it's all yeah. tying okay. in together to what we're talking about.
1: Realize you are actually a servant. It's like that upside down triangle. Yep. You're a servant. It's like the president of the United States. He's a public servant. Yep. He's employed by the public. Mm-hmm. He's paid by the public. It's a fact. Okay. The same thing applies. If the sales team all leave, I've got nothing. So, uh, when a when a manager, especially right now, I find that you find yourself right. This is how it is. Okay. So many many situations. This is how it is. The sales manager, he was once a great leader. He was a great salesman. Met probably, but not all. Not all the best coaches were great on the field. In fact, that's a whole discussion separate. But he was probably a good salesman, and he's been a good leader. But he's even before COVID, he was pushed into being a desk manager. Mm-hmm. So, and he had a strong team. So it was okay. He, could, he, he he that he could get away with that. So he was kind of taking care of the paperwork and the sales numbers on the board and running a meeting and going through the motions. But he, he, and calling customers to do the we call it in England, pitch and miss. It's all the all the deals that, all the leads we pitch and miss. We call the customers and find out why we missed it and all that. So he's doing all this stuff. So he's actually found himself as, as almost like a desk manager rather than a leader. So it, it actually started before COVID. It's not all down to COVID, but COVID just exposed it. it COVID just 10xed it. It 10x the the truth and made us and took all of our strength away and took all of our comfort away. Mm-hmm. But it did start before then, okay? And it's seeing that truth. But we've got a chance now to actually. Correct everything. And the first thing is realize you're serving them and immediately level yourself with them. Yeah. And that is to be completely transparent and to get your team together before anything else. And you don't prepare a rah-rah speech. You actually you actually speak from the heart. Okay? Yeah. And you do is you say, right, guys, I want to get on Zoom. I want to – and all you do is you don't prepare a speech, but you actually just – Consider the real reality of what's going on here and where they're at. Mm-hmm. You see the life through their point of view. Swap heads. How does it feel being them right now? And what can we achieve? Now, you're not trying to sell them some dream that you can't deliver, but they are feeling, right? Because physically they've not been together in regular meet, sales meetings. Right. And they haven't had the opportunity to have that physical energy you know and great banter, and when you take a break, they go out of a cigarette, they talk to each other about life, and they get as much out of the cigarette break as they do the meeting, you know? And then afterwards, you spend time with their peers, and they've loved, they've, they've, it's been great, because they've met their peers, they've met the team, they've been in a positive environment, they've got stuff off their chest, There's, that's gone. Wow, that's like the, where they get all the juice for the week, it's gone, and then, you know, they're on their own, and when you're on your own, it's so easy to lower your game, you're less accountable, uh, uh, than you were, uh, um, you and any doubts or fears that you've got, you nobody's there to notice them and say, hey Paul, you're looking as if you're uh, you got you preoccupied today, mate. What's going on? Nobody's there to, to spot that. So you, you 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 go deeper and deeper, yeah. and you you. So the, I mean, I could t- I could give you more examples, but this is what's happened. And when we get into that frame, man, we don't we don't come out and say, "I think I'm, i think the Ed's doing a number on me and I'm completely negged out." Help me. We don't do that. That's what we should say, but we don't. Yeah. We kind of put a brave face on it and hope it'll change, and it doesn't. So all of your guys right now are somewhere along that line, and it's probably it's, it's probably just safe to say that they are that what you're being told about how they feel and how motivated they are is not the truth. It, it, they're trying to convince you that it's okay, it's okay, boss, I'm all right, I'll be okay, things are fine, and you've got your own problems, so I'll be all right. So it's kind of like, I'm okay, mm-hmm. but they're not. You can't force them, so you bring them all together as a team and you speak the truth. You get them all on Zoom, right, Zoom or whatever, but it's mainly Zoom, right, yeah. and what you do is you say, right guys, I want to talk about the truth. I miss how it was, do, do, who misses it? You've got to start emotionally, you don't start logically, and don't start talking about the sales results, and don't start by asking them how they feel. Because they won't tell you the truth, you get silence. So you just stop by you've got to realise leadership. You say, right, who misses it? Do you know what I miss? And you talk about honestly. Well, I miss the sales meetings. I miss the laugh we used to have. I miss the fact that we used to have a laugh. But also, there were so many things we'd forget that we reminded of. I miss the little arguments we used to have. Um, I even miss them. I, I, I miss the I miss Julie's tea. You know, and you you can lay it on, and and you've got to. Put them back where you used to be when you were all a team and when you first fell in love with it. And in the great days, you didn't realize how good those days were until they were gone. Yeah. And this is, a, this is this story, <clears throat> this is true because you're telling them the story of the team, but it's also a paradigm for life. It, you're talking about life. Mm-hmm. We, don't know, we don't realize what we've got until it's gone. The great windows in time, the great sales teams, the great times when we were coming up. You know, we don't see it until it's gone. This is what we're doing. We're, we're, we're speaking in a parable. We're reminding everyone, I miss that. Don't you miss it, guys? What else do you miss? And then hand it over to them. And what? And Lee, and then, you know, they'll carry on. I miss this, I miss this, I miss this. And yeah. then what you do is you say, right, guys, how can, how can we bring it back? We can't, we can't break the law and all, like, getting our cars down the freeway and, and say, fuck you, we're going to do what we want. We can't do that. We'll end up in the, in the police station. Right, we'll end up <laughs> getting arrested. But what we've got is we've got technology. We've all got a home office space of some description. Mm-hmm. We've got time. And I'm not talking about pretense, guys. We've got to have reality. But how can we get, how can we now get that back? How can we recreate that? What can we do? So, well, we should start by having a proper meeting every week again. Athletes, what else? And you, you just encourage, you get them all the ideas out. They create the strategy to go forward. You don't try and sell it to them. I mean, watch some Tony Robbins videos where he tells stories. Yeah. Watch anyone else who you admire tell stories. The real great storytellers. Just watch it and realize you too. That's what you. That's what you've got to be to your salespeople when you have this first call. It's about speaking the truth from the and, and connecting with the heart. And their soul, and their passion, and their spirit, and that's where home improvement salespeople. Derek says, "Well, that's what we are—emotional people. We're not logical accountant types from the account from the you know uh, from the, the normal world. We're emotional, passionate types. That's what you've got to appeal to. I miss that. I miss how it was, guys. Don't you? That is how you do it. And yeah. then it leads in. As I said, it leads into the right. How do we recreate it? Then you got a strategy. Then you give you guys accountability. Give them jobs." Don't, issue, don't lead them in everything and you, you're, you're doing everything. Lead them. Give them each slot at the sales meeting. Give them a job to do each. Make, give them accountability buddies. Yep. So team them up. Julie, Jim, you two don't know each other that well. Right, you're accountability buddies. I'll talk about what that means in a minute. Make, put them into two so that have to speak to each other each day. They have to keep each other's ass about keep staying true to their commitments each week and, and hold, hold each other accountable. There's loads of things you can do. Give them jobs. Make them accountable. Make them feel good. Uh, and then talk to them every day, communicate with them, um, make make it safe for them to tell you the truth. That's the leadership that's needed now. That's the kind of leadership that's needed right now.
0: That's what a lot of leaders, I think, don't understand just how extensive it is that your sales team will emulate and lead by your example. It was always amazing to me that, I've done some bodybuilding competitions historically, I've done three of them. And anytime I was getting in shape, actually losing weight and cutting for the competition, and my sales force could see my physical appearance transform and my dedication and the training and pouring my heart and soul into the competition, all of a sudden I couldn't help but notice that half my sales team, as I was, was getting in shape, was getting physically fit, was losing weight, was being more physically Mm -hmm. active because they emulate what their leaders do. And when you're describing there, it makes all the sense in the world. And it's something that I always try to encourage is be having open dialogue with your sales team and leading that emotional conversation first, opening it up very emotionally. And that's going to basically cause them to open up. And I think it's important for leaders to do that as a group. And I think it's just as important to have those conversations individually with your salespeople. So we have complete open transparency, you just get whatever's bothering you off your chest. I want again, no holds barred. You can have that open dialogue, and then of course have those heart-to-hearts with your sales team. You know that one-on-one attention that they need, and that that team camaraderie. That's again, like you said, that's what's lacking today more than ever before. And we we start to take for granted, as you said, the the comforts of the the team being able to just get together on their own and almost establish. That, that team camaraderie without much effort on your part, right? But now the owners have to step up to the plate and they have to lead by example and emulate the things they want their salespeople doing, right?
1: What I enjoy most now is that I'm finding I'm doing more leadership coaching at the moment, actually, since, since COVID has started. The people that come to you the most are the top closers, yeah. The guys at the bottom are the average guys. They don't. It's the top closest they come to me for coaching because they want to stay top because they know they, they give up on their coaching, they're going to drop. But what I've found is more and more, I've got sales managers of teams, managers of managers. So, you know, high level coming to me and asking for leadership coaching. We get promoted because performance and ability and attitude. But what we don't get is when we get promoted, to, we, we, you can find yourself in this industry, you can find yourself a newcomer to a great salesman in a year and then running a successful team in two years and running a team of 300 people and, and, and a huge proportion of the country, country in three years or less. You can find yourself in that position, but what you probably ha- haven't had is that when you've had those promotions, you probably haven't had high-level leadership courses.
0: I wanted to talk about something, obviously, on this podcast, because I I do find your story very fascinating. So you stopped um, as the director for Everest Home Improvements in 2013. You literally just took the leap of faith. You didn't really necessarily have a a set plan of action, uh, but you really threw yourself out there, and within one year you got nominated or you won the award for the UK sales coach of the year.
1: Cause I didn't, I, I didn't have it as a goal. I just wasn't, I'd never would have believed it. The universe doesn't just give us things randomly. Yeah. What it does is it gives us what's, what's at the right of equal energy. So if we are operating with no fear, doing whatever it takes operating from truth, mm-hmm. playing our biggest game, committed to doing the next right thing, teachable, compassionate, compassionate and passionate, All if we're all these things and we're living it, we're not just trying to be it like, you know, the false pretend, we're actually really doing it. Then the energy that we are vibrating at, the energy that we are at is, is a high light energy. It's very high, a very h- healthy energy. Yep. And therefore what happens is, we attract more high light energy. So that's why we suddenly get these incredible gifts that we, do I, I deserve this? Well, you attracted it. You didn't realize you were, but you were operating your game. Your game was at such a high level consistently that you actually pulled it to you. And I believe that. Now, I don't on a daily basis go any deeper than that, and that because that's not what I was put here for. I've got a fascination with it, but I wasn't put here to be a teacher on that level. I put here to, to, to teach what I teach which is, selling, communication, leadership, right? that That's it. But I'm still fascinated and I think I should point out these things just as simple truths, yeah? I've wanted to start a tra- sales training business because when I first started in sales, the sales trainers that came and ran the courses and had the great cars and I thought, oh God, that's a great job and I never lost that. So I thought, right, now's the time. I'm in my early 40s. I've achieved everything I wanted to achieve. I've had all the rehab crap and everything and now I, I, I'm, I'm kind of got rid of all my demons. I'm happy with who I am. I've come back and achieved even better results after all of that and rebuilt the business again. And I don't have anything to prove for myself. So just staying with Everest would be just doing it again. It would actually be staying there for the safety and the money. And that was a big thing. So, right, if I walk away from this, I'm walking away from the security blanket Mm -hmm. of a senior manager position with a guaranteed very high income and car and everything else. And all of that security... And I'm walking away from that. It's none of that. I had to face reality. I thought I was. I thought, now nah, I'll be okay. I'll be great. You know, I've always survived. And, and I, that was the degree to which I analyzed it. And I just made the jump. And, and then I found myself in my first week as a sales coach. The phone didn't ring. Then I went to, to an event, a coaching event. And it was that that was... Where, where i found the truth well, i'm listening to conversations i'm watching the presentations though when they get up and talk on the stage they've got a life story a, a backstory. they hold the audience in the department and then they do this thing at the end where they actually pitch their products and they sign they have people go into the back of the room to buy their products so they finish their, their talk by earning several thousand pounds i yeah. thought, i haven't got that i haven't got any of that and they've got thousands of people on their email list and they've got websites and they've got YouTube channels and podcasts and funnels. and I'm like, what is all this? I, I've been in an, in an organization for 15 years. The only thing I knew was internal email. I had some LinkedIn contacts, but I thought LinkedIn was like interviews and stuff. Job, I didn't realize what it was. I thought Facebook and everything else was for kids. Yep. Okay. I'd never been on a webinar. I'd never been on a webinar even as a viewer, let alone running one. Yeah. I, had, I had no... No entrepreneur co- friends, and no industry contacts. I had no speaking experience outside of the in, inside of my organization. I had no leads. I had no brand. I had no website. I had no domain. I had no products. I had no marketing. I had no unique value proposition. No value ladder. No tripwire offers. No one-time offers. No um, high-ticket offers. No nothing. No referral system. No strategy. Um, no buyer persona or a perfect target audience. Um, none of this stuff, nothing. But I also uh, there was something else I didn't have any of. That was fear, mm-hmm. and I was willing to do whatever it took. And I sat there and I thought, "You're fucked. <laughs> if I don't, if I just try and survive without learning this online thing, yeah. I'm done, mm-hmm. because I, I I can make up for a lot of the difference with my." abilities and I knew I had that I knew that that was strong mm-hmm. but it's too big a path to cross I've got to learn I've got to get into the real world and I've got to become competent online otherwise I haven't got a chance I was only driving the car because it was a company's car for a short period and the laptop and the phone so I also didn't have a of my own phone laptop or car <laughs> um, and <laughs> and so, and I, because I'd left on my own volition, I didn't leave with some big handshake or I'd negotiated a, 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 a deal. I'd left, and that was it. So the remaining capital I had, I, I invested in two coaches, and I didn't, I didn't play small. I got, I, I paid like you know, proper money for coaches,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um and they, and I threw myself into it, learning online. So that was one side. I learned the online, and within three months, I actually had everything that I just said. I didn't have the full everything. I just then presented to you, Dom, as not having, I had it all. And the irony And now, as I talk to you right here from Bali today, the irony is not lost on me that right now I'm, I even teach people how to launch business in 30 days, even if they're starting from scratch and they've got nothing online. And I, and I say the reason I do this is because this is where I was. I'm going to remove all the worry and crap that I had to deal with and I'm going to guide you through it hand, by hand, hand in hand. So the irony that I now teach that is, 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 it always makes me smile. But anyway, that was one side. But the real breakthrough was the fact that I'm, I'm thinking, right, I've now got to compensate. I can't wait three months to learn online and then try and have, a, you know, have another go at coaching. I've got, to, I've got to commit myself to learning, but I've also got to act now. I have got to penetrate this marketplace now. And I cannot start locally and play small and start at the bottom like anyone else. I'm 43. I'm coming from behind the eight ball. I've got, I've got to actually... Do something right at the top level I've got to do something re- do disruptive I've got to do I've got to really be um, I've got to have loads of audacity uh, but I've also got to have the ability that when I get myself the opportunity I've got to deliver so what I did was I thought right who's your, who's your target audience I was an hour an hour and a half away from London in the in the countryside I've done some work and some look I looked online and i had done some research and I found that my, my clients at that time, it was entrepreneur communities uh, and networking with this thousands of entrepreneurs and new start entrepreneurs and startup businesses and all the rest of it, where these guys don't know how to sell. Mm-hmm. They're really passionate about their product and their business, but they don't know how to sell. That's that immediate win. And also personal development communities. Yep. So these people, they've got small businesses or they're aspiring business owners or they're new coaches and they're passionate about their NLP or their coaching or whatever, but they've got no idea about selling. And a lot of them have actually got a negative blueprint and a negative selling blueprint so I can help them. So, but I've got to get in front of them. So I thought, right, what I've got to do is I've got to turn up at events. I've got to charm the organizer and I've got to get on that stage before the main speaker. And I've got to get on and I've got to talk myself in to getting on that stage to being given a slot.
0: Yeah,
1: That's what I could do. Because if I can get on there, I know I won't screw it up. I know I will get them right in the palm of my hand when I start talking about, I start talking to them about how they talk to themselves in their own head about, the fact that they can't sell effectively and they need to learn to sell, otherwise they're going to run out of cash. And I, could, I, had it, I knew how to speak to them. I knew how to do it from the stage and I knew how to give them a few lines and do some examples by saying, right, who's got a business? And I'm going to tune into it and I'm going to give you your elevator pitch right now with no preparation. I did some of that. I thought I'm going to put myself right in the spot, on the spot. I knew I could do it, but I wasn't going to get into that position. And I just, had to, I just had to do what I described. So I did, I got on the train. I I'd, not, I'd nothing booked and no, nobody, nobody knew me. I got on the train, turned up at the events, turned up early, met the organizer, introduced myself, told them exactly what I wanted to achieve, told them the story I just told you now. No lies, no crap, absolute truth thing. But, but once they heard the absolute truth, they were like, wow, I'll give you five minutes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Because when you, do give, when you do tell the truth and you haven't got some crappy story that's just some nonsense, you know, you tell the, tr- the real truth, it's actually more exp- inspirational than fiction. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and, it, and it's great to actually tell the truth because then you can live with yourself, right? I, 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 I turn, And it's a fair play. That I you got guts. So, okay, of course, I'll give you five minutes. You can never go tonight before um, Warren does his talk. So this is the first one. And I got me five minutes. It turned out to be nine minutes. Everywhere I went I recorded. I've still got that nine minutes on my phone. <laughs> and I use that when I do webinars or I'm speaking out in the appropriate leadership or whatever, I'll say, here, listen to this. My first nine minutes ever. And then when I, when I stood down to the minutes, they got a round of applause and he shook me and he went, well done, mate. I want you to come back and do a full main keynote speaker slot because I'd also sold myself to him. And as soon as then, he said, I want you to come back and do a keynote slot. Two people came up to me and said, can you come do some training? So I sold two training days immediately, Yeah, immediately, instantly, that before I left that night, I was doing it. Like it was invoices tomorrow. So I would instant do instant, a little bit of cash flow. And then on the train, it turned out I was getting the train back because the main speaker, Warren, was on the train, lived in my town. And he's like an influencer in the UK, thousands of people he knew. So on the train back, he gave me loads of names and introduced me to people. The the next morning I woke up and I had a LinkedIn recommendation on my talk from the night before from Warren. I'd never even asked for it. What an amazing thing for a guy to do, for an influencer to do. He knew exactly what was going to help me. Wow all serendipity forget fake it till you make it faith it till you make it So fake it faith it faith it i showed faith i got on the train and in doing so i created an alternative reality i created you see, all realities and all potential, all possibilities are there in the quantum field. Anyway, they're all there. I chose, I chose the one that wasn't currently happening, and and I carved it out, and it happened. And then I thought, right, I'm going to do the same with the personal development community, and it didn't. But that went, that turned into a different opportunity. They said, right, we want to create um, uh, seminars, and we did loads of seminars with them. Whereas with the first one, I then went back and did the keynote event, and I, I had then I had a little program worked out, and I learned a bit, so I did. I sold a group package, joined the group, Facebook group, webinar jam, I think it was then. It was just before Zoom, so it's still Skype. But it was live calls, live coaching calls with a group, uh, email support, stuff in a Facebook group, You know this, that, and the other. And I did that. I sold and did a training program on a system I created called The Stressless Sales Method, which I would later launch on Wall Street in New York. God, that was another serendipity. Um, but I then went back to the first one. and After the end of my speech, I sold my group program, and 47 people or whatever Bought it there and then. I completely changed my entire life. In the same, the other community, the personal development community, it was the same thing happened. But for them, it was we did a we did seminars. But I ended up with them uh, having the whole community. We, we we had three day, one day seminars. It's terrific, absolute amazing. But I have recorded every all of it, and I've got those three days uncut live audio from the audio mic I was on. So professional audio, and I'm now ready right now. Seven years, I'm actually ready to release that as a product because in there is three days of the best sales and personal development intertwined that you'll ever ever come across seriously because it was the point where i was bringing everything i'd ever heard from everywhere in my life and and teaching this audience i was right at the beginning of the adventure It was just so, when I listen to it now, I'm like, wow, that was so good. You forget how good things are. And you underestimate your own stuff, actually. You start, well, my stuff's not that great. It was. (laughs) It was good. So I was left with that. And, of course, then after that, because I'd created that, I now was operating at a different level. And I was proud of myself Mm -hmm. because it was. It did take balls to do that. And I was okay for money because I, I had clients now. So that was happening too. Oh, great really could. I, I knew I was born to do this, but I could have easily just thought, this is not for me, I'm, I, it's too much against me, and backed out, and I was so glad I didn't. Somebody from the personal development community nominated me for something, and, I'm nom- and I thought, oh, God, I'm not gonna go to that, I'm not gonna win that. I and, and I still felt like a bit of a fake then. There was a few of them nominated as well, and we all went along, and I got, I got me black tie on, and when they said my name, I was speechless. Yeah. <laughs> and you won it. Wow! Now, that then that then opened a whole, a whole new avenue of doors.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I actually started marketing it and using it to my advantage because that's what you do. if You're clever. You work out. You, so, you know, I'd, I'd use that in how I framed who I was, the sales coach of the year and all the rest of it. But actually, the real stuff deep down was, wow, how amazing the stuff that can happen for us if we refuse to allow fear to establish a foothold in our psychology so so long as you do actually have skills in and experience in what you're trying to do then anything is possible with the right mental game
0: you know you and I met not too long ago and within a little bit of talking with each other we found a connection sure. right? and that's what I love about This podcast, whether we're dealing with somebody right next door or somebody as far away as Bali, Indonesia, the fact that we're doing this uh, it makes me very happy because I really like to diversify our content and having a fresh perspective on the art form of selling and influence and just the overall the mind over matter successes between the ears. uh, I think is incredibly valuable uh, for people watching this. Now, obviously, I'd be doing myself a disservice if I didn't end on something Grass University. Um, I had the pleasure Ooh. of having you tour our platform, and obviously, you're you're an absolute monster online. You have an incredible following, especially in the UK. You know, what was it about Grass University that first caught your interest? And of course, after seeing your platform, how could they benefit from an e-learning site like a uh, Gross University?
1: I need simplicity actually. And and that's the first thing about Gross University is the whole platform is really simple to navigate. I can find myself in seconds. I know which step of the sales process that I want to get hone up with some skills on. I could be there in seconds. But I'm done. I'm watching. I'm watching you. I can access the the, the sales training anywhere, anytime on any device. Um, the quality of the, of the training is real world, great, realistic stuff. It's, it's real deal. If I learn it, I mean, I just recognized it instantly as the truth. Yeah. So there's so much stuff online in terms of training and academies and all the rest of it. Uh, so much choice out there in terms of the seven steps, 10 steps, 12 steps, 15 steps, this, all the secrets and all the rest of it that the, you know, it's how do we clear the truth from the false? Yeah. And, and all I can say with absolute sincerity is when I look at a sales process and when I see it and when I watch it being discussed and recommended, I can instantly see the truth. I know what works. I know that I know what works in sales and what doesn't. Yep. I know. Yep. Nobody's going to tell me that something works if I know it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And, and you guys were talking about what I'd, Experienced for 20, 30 years in a different part of the world, the same psychology works. So you, I knew instantly that your ten step process is based on reality of what works to the human mind, and um, the simplicity of how it's taught is great. Because you uh, Einstein said, "If you don't, if you can't explain it enough so that a six year old would understand it, you don't know it well enough."
0: Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's- And it's
1: so true.
0: That's such a great quote. I tell that to sales trainers all over is you got to break it down to kindergarten level and not to yeah. salt the intelligence, but that's how well you should know it. So you can dissect it down to, to that level because of your yeah. understanding of the process.
1: It's true. And it, it also applies, you know, the, the world's great copywriters, right? Copywriting, amazing art and skill, second only to selling, by the way. <laughs> Copyright. My copywriter friends won't like that, but no, it's a massive skill, copywriting. Yeah. That's another way you can earn uncapped income, but the greatest copywriters, they take their copy and there's, a, there's this thing called the Flesh Kincaid uh, score and it, you, you, copy, you paste your copy into this generator and it scans your copy and then it gives your copy a grading the perfect score is 10 to 13 years. So what your sales copy should be, that if ten to thirteen year old in grade school could read it and understand it, then that's the copy you should publish. If it's any older, if your copy is suited if a ten to thirteen year old can't read it, but a 14 plus you've got to simplify it, you've got to remove stuff and make the words shorter. You've yep. got it to you've got to get it. Because 10 to 13 year old copy, that's what converts best. So it's the same principles.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Wow, how
1: credible is that? Simple. And, and I saw the same simplicity when I got onto Gross. I thought this is easy. i am I'm, I'm into it straight away. I'm not stretching my head. I I'll need a training session with someone in order to be able to access it. I was off and I love that because if I if, if if the first thing I have is frustration, work get me navigating the system, I've already I've already switched off from it.
0: Yeah, yeah. My main goal anytime I do any training, whether it be online or on stage is I don't like trainers that have all this fluff and filler, is I want to get straight to what we yeah. Let's get down to brass tacks. I'm going to teach you everything I know. This is real meat and potatoes advice that I can give you that I know is going to be effective for you. And when people leave, when they listen to me, they realize they, they always take something really valuable away. They don't have to see me for three days, whether it's watching me for five minutes or watching me for hours. They're always going to take something valuable away, and that's really my goal. It's to really get down to what I know works and without all the fluff and filler and kind of the bull crap that, that a lot of trainers deliver. Yeah.
1: What I also liked is that I'm I am i am not being sold something every five minutes. I'm not yeah. being upsold yeah. something or having pop-ups come up on the screen. I'm I am i have actually I'm 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 there to enjoy a product and and that's it. You're yeah. not leading me to spend more money. You you just want me there to teach me the steps. This is a program that's teaching you how to sell a program to be successful. Now you've got to buy it. Yes, of course you have. And um, also price great the price is terrific it's not it's not like bargain basement nor nor should it be because it's top class stuff, mm-hmm. but it's affordable yeah. and it's simple it works it's the truth. Yeah. What else do you want and and that's all there and um so for me that's what makes for a successful online sales training program
0: Oh, I love it, and I appreciate the 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 kind words there and okay. honestly, those who have watched this podcast, clearly Paul Atherton has a lot he can offer your company. So now if I'm a home improvement company all, anywhere in the world and I want to reach out to Paul Atherton, how can, how can they connect with you and obviously take advantage of your coaching and your
1: mentoring? Thank you, Dom. You want to talk to me whether you're a salesman or whether you're a CEO of a business and anywhere in between, you're safe having a conversation with me. In other words, you're safe to have a conversation and just have a conversation. You want to, you want to work something out now? Great, we'll do it. You want to talk again in the future? Great, that's fine. Okay? So that's the first thing is yep. you can have this conversation without a great big sales pitch. You can reach out on LinkedIn. If this is LinkedIn, you can also reach me by my site. And what I love is the bit of, another bit of separate serendipity is your tagline is, yes, you are a closer. Yes. Yes, you are a closer. Yes, love that. Closer. And my site, my website is www.closers.com. So mine is C-L-O-Z-R-S closers. Okay. Um, and if you, Pop that in your uh, URL, you'll be able to uh, find me there as well. Closers.com, C L O Z R S. That's it. Thanks, Dom.
0: Yeah, see, who it was meant to be. Well, another amazing podcast <laughs> with, a, with an incredible sales icon. And again, uh, Gross University, again, talking to people from the other side of the world. So thanks for taking time here, yeah. again, Paul, to be on our show. It's
1: been great. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, a pleasure.
0: those of you we sat through the podcast here. And as always, <clears throat> you know the tagline What is it, Paul?
1: Yes, you are a closer.
0: Yes, you are. Thank you.